Read to Lead podcast, episode 69. Hello, this is Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning. You know, podcasts are a fantastic way to surround yourself with other successful people, uh, which uh, makes me really glad that this guy doesn't do a solo show. It is the Read to Lead podcast with my good friend, Jeff Brown. Honestly, Jeff, the thing that I've always struggled with with all of this is feeling like an imposter. You know? So who am I to give anybody advice? Who am I to write books? Who am I to, to speak? Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hi, and welcome to the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. And this week, just like every week, we sit down with a successful and inspiring author to discuss his latest book and his expertise on things like leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. In this episode, we'll chat with Kamanzi Constable, best-selling author of the book, Are You Living or Existing? Nine Steps to Change Your Life. I'll ask Kamanzi about how to identify your dreams, why reaching out to others for help is so hard and what to do about it, some of the common obstacles that often thwart attempts at major life change, and a lot more. At the time this episode is being published, nominations are still being accepted for the 10th Annual Podcast Awards happening in April at New Media Expo in Las Vegas. If you don't mind giving us 30 seconds of your time, we'd love it if you could nominate the Read to Lead podcast. Eligible for as many as three categories. People's Choice, Best Produced, and Best Business Podcast. If you'd like to give us your nominations, simply go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash awards. I haven't mentioned this, I don't think, but maybe one other time. But I want to make sure you're a part of our group on Facebook. We're soon going to be shuttering our Facebook page, but recently I launched a Facebook group just for listeners of the show. In fact, occasionally, including yesterday, I gave away a copy of Dan Miller's latest book. To join the Facebook group, go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash group. And before we welcome Kamanzi, please remember our sponsors. In their free app, Blinkist serves up written and now audio summaries of your favorite business books. In fact, if you go to the readtoleadpodcast.com website, there's a new widget there that allows you to check out one free summary every single day. To find out more about Blinkist, readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. Don't forget, too, that there's still time to take advantage of the free 10-day trial at lynda.com, where thousands of video training on all kinds of subjects can be found. Take advantage of our free 10-day trial when you visit readtoleadpodcast.com slash lynda. That's L-Y-N-D-A. In 2011, Kamanzi Constable was just about $200,000 in debt. His marriage, in his words, was falling apart and his children barely knew him. And, oh, by the way, the icing on the cake, he was about 170 pounds overweight. Skip ahead less than four years later, and he's an entrepreneur and author, having pulled up stakes in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and moving to Maui, Hawaii. He now writes for Entrepreneur Magazine, 
The Huffington Post, and The Good Men Project, among others. And his latest book is called Are You Living or Existing? Nine Steps to Change Your Life. Kamanzi, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks you for having me, Jeff. Um, I've been a big fan of this podcast for a long time. And to be honest, I was always thinking, man, maybe I should ask Jeff to be on the show. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to ask him. That's cheesy. So I'm glad you invited me. <laughs> well, I've had a chance to connect with you, uh, of course, on social media, Facebook and Twitter and elsewhere, and sort of see you interact with with other people. And there are a lot of folks who are really in your corner, a lot of folks who are excited for the success you're having. And I think a lot of that has to do with just your willingness to, uh, I'm going to guess here, step out and just be willing to help other people without any expectation for anything in return. And just really being transparent and, and real with people. And, and to that end, uh, just recently, I know you revealed on your website uh, something you've been reluctant to talk about uh, for a while. So can you share a little bit about it here and maybe some of the discomfort that you experienced, I would assume, leading up to making that decision? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I've revealed a lot um, in my writing and my blog in the last three years mm. of, of having that blog. But one thing that I had never mentioned anywhere that nobody knew is that I'm a high school dropout. And even writing those words and then putting them out in public, like I was cringing. And, you know, my wife usually, she's, uh, she's like, yes, 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 yes. And she saw that and she's like, are you really going to write about that? <laughs> and um, I'm like, you know, there's other people out there like me that I suspect. And the, the issue is, you know, I'm a writer and I'm in public. So um, to tell people you're a high school dropout, you know, there's that fear and um, I've honestly, Jeff, the thing that I've always struggled with with all of this is feeling like an imposter. Mm. You know, so who am I to give anybody advice? Who am I to write books? Who am I to, to speak um, knowing that, that that was in my closet? And so it's been three years of just battling those demons mm. and, and, and just learning. And so I, now that it's out there, um, the emails that I received last night from people saying, you know, oh, I, I'm there too. I went through that too. And then even the emails that have surprised me, Jeff, are the ones that say, hey, I'm an Ivy League lawyer and I'm still struggling with feeling like an imposter. Hmm. Yeah, I have to believe. And of course, the emails you've gotten are indication of this, that, that just by sharing that, you've helped so many people and so many more too, I hope, by sharing it here on the podcast. Because you read the stats and, and people who listen to this podcast are no stranger to this. You know, 80% of us supposedly want to write a book. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I definitely think if you have a book in you, you should write a book. You mm. should put it out there to the world. Uh, the technology and what's available is so much easier and better for us than what's available in the past. Think about what it would take to get a book out to the world even 10 years ago. Mm. Um, things have changed a lot. There's not that stigma with self-publishing like there were a few years ago. No, definitely not. And I self-published in 2011. I didn't even think about going the other route. I didn't dream about it. I didn't even want mm. to attempt it. When I saw self-publishing was working, I'm like, that's the way that I'm going to go. Well, I want to begin with talk of the book with some of the questions that you pose, uh, Kamanzi, in the book's introduction. What's the point? Why change your life? Why nine steps? And who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know in the past when I would have read a book like this um, about living or existing and making quote unquote radical changes in your life, you know, I, that's, those are the questions that I would have thought. <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> you know, why, why do I care about you, these steps, this book? 
And what it took, honestly, Jeff, was uh, my father died in 2012. Mm. He died at the age of 54. Um, and he died suddenly, and no, we didn't know it was coming. And dealing with his death and being at his funeral, and we weren't close, Jeff. So he tried to reconcile our relationship in the last couple of years. And I was so bitter at him that I didn't want to do it. And then he died. Oh. And I sat at his funeral with so much regret in my heart from not even just listening to him, not hearing his side of the story, not hearing about the fact that his mother, my grandmother, had committed suicide using his chemistry set. And so he mm. was messed up. He was so messed up emotionally. And I didn't know any of that. And I was at his funeral and it was too late, Jeff. I couldn't do anything about it. Mm. So that regret right there that I had, it just, it made me realize that my whole life I was living a life of regret. I was overweight, as you said. I was in financial debt. I was doing something that I absolutely hated to do. And I didn't want to die that way. And so that's what the why is. Life is short. We, we know this in our minds, but I think we don't live that way. We don't live as if life is short. We don't live as if we're not going to get another chance at living life. We live like we have forever and we can get a lot of do-overs, but you can't get time back. So the why is the fact that life is short and you only get one, one crack at this. How do you really want to live your life? And I think this really uh, dovetails nicely with uh, last week's guest, Hal Elrod, the Miracle Morning author. And he uh, has really helped me and, and I think a lot of listeners uh, sort of recapture our mornings and make the most of those because they do so impact the rest of the day. And and what Kamanzi is helping us with is what comes after that, by and large. In the first chapter, Identify Your Dreams, Kamanzi uh, talks about the importance of baby steps. And I think probably you learned the importance of this lesson uh, more than any other situation, Kamanzi, uh, during your first attempt to lose weight. Is that, is that safe to say? Oh, yeah, definitely. I was the best man at my brother's wedding. I was excited until we went to the tux fitting and I couldn't fit in the tuxes. Mm. And it was embarrassing. And so, and then the pictures were posted on Facebook of the wedding and just seeing how big I got and I knew I needed to do something about it. So I went on a crazy extreme diet where I was eating 1,200 calories a day. I was, I was actually only eating one meal a day, Jeff, and mm. I'm not even kidding. Just one meal a day, I only ate lunch, and everything else was just water. Um, mm. and, and I was exercising four, four to five hours a day uh, before work and after work, and I lost 132 pounds in six months. It was really, really Whoa. quick. But I didn't learn anything about being healthy. And so guess what? The next year, all that weight came back. Now, when I went through it the second time around to lose the 170 pounds, I just took baby steps. I said benchmarks. I mm. learned what it meant to live a healthy lifestyle. And I just took little steps. And it took a long time. It took over a year. And I was, it was very frustrating. And I was pretty impatient. But those baby steps really taught me what it means to, to live a healthy life and to really appreciate the journey. Well, another point made early on in the book is, is the importance of reaching out to others uh, for help. And according to Kamanzi, many of us are reluctant to do this. So I'm curious uh, to know, uh, Kamanzi, why do you think that is? Is it, is it fear of being perceived as weak or as a failure, maybe, or something else? It, it could be all of those. Definitely those, those are a factor. Maybe you want to be the lone wolf. I know, like me, I'm an introvert. Uh, so to reach out to other people, to write about things publicly, to even interview here, this is hard to do this, Jeff. Mm. Um, it's, it's hard to put myself out there like this. But 
um, I focus on why I'm doing this. You know, I want to help people and to help people that were with where I was. But just inside of us, it's hard to, to put that out there, to talk to other people, to get it out of our heads. We kind of want to work through it on our own. Um, but there's so much value in reaching out, especially to people that are doing what you're doing and that can support you and encourage you. I know for me, and I've mentioned this uh, even on as recent as last week's episode, uh, the last year and a half has been all about being a part of a couple of really well-structured mastermind groups and, and being able to surround myself with those people who will speak into my life, who will uh, speak up when I'm uh, going down maybe what uh, they perceive to be a, a, a wrong path, something that's not best for, for my life or my business, and, and can encourage me along the way. And is it safe to assume you have such a group in, in your life as well, or if not exactly a mastermind group, then something similar to that? Yes, I have my brother and two friends that have been with me from the beginning, um, from day one of even talking about any of this journey. So we didn't call it a mastermind, but we would talk every day while we were, we all did service jobs. So we would talk every day for hours and talk about plans and dreams. Um, and I even am part of a structured mastermind group, as you mentioned, which is run by our mutual friend, Jared Easley. Mm. Now, one thing that stood out to me, uh, Kamanzi, in Chapter 2 was, was this quote, always ask yourself if what you're doing right now is taking away time from something that could better benefit your life. And as economists are, are quick to point out, there are opportunity costs with any decision we make. Spending time doing X means I've decided not to do Y, for example, right? Absolutely. Uh, there was a lot of times in the last three years that I did something that I thought would benefit me or benefit my journey or even my business. And it was just going down a rabbit hole. Um, from the business side of things, Jeff, I did everything to generate an income at this. I did multi-level marketing, membership websites, paid masterminds, um, um, Google groups. And I, I did everything you could think of <laughs> to, to make money because I wanted to leave that job so bad. But when I sat down and said, what do I really want to do? And my passion, more than anything, I, I would rather write. That's it. I, don't, I would rather not speak. I'd rather not uh, consult. Writing is my first love and my passion. And when I focus on that, that's when I was able to write the first book and the second book and really focus on the things that helped sell those books. Well, step three in these nine steps has to do with eliminating the negative, and that can include relationships. And to, and to some, I think this might sound elitist. Sometimes, you know, we have to decide to sever a relationship or maybe two. How did you go about dealing with that in your life, Kamanzi? without coming across or walking away feeling like, I'm better than you, so you can't be in my life anymore? Uh, this was really made clear to me early on when I started this journey. I wanted to make all these changes. I had a best friend. We were best friends since we were little kids. Um, so we had grown up together, just best of buds. And I told him, hey, um, I really don't like where life is right now. I want to make these changes in my life. And before I could even get the sentence out, he was pointing out the 107 reasons why I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do in life. And I thought, okay, you know, maybe he just doesn't get it. And as the weeks and the months went on, he was just always negative. And, he was, and I found that I, it was feeding into my doubt and my fear that I, I had already had. And I, I knew that if I was going to do anything, I had to just purge myself of this negative. And I just simply said to him, look, look man, we're in different places I love you, you know I do, 
But for me to move on and do these things, to even get to the place of thinking about doing these things, we, we're going to have to part ways. I, I hope we can reestablish our connection sometime in the future. Um, but right now, I just really have to stay positive and I, I have to distance myself. And it hurt. You know, I cried and, and it, was, it was rough. And I thought about maybe I'm doing the wrong decision. But honestly, Jeff, as soon as I said that to him, I felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. And I started purging not only negative people, because that's hard, but negative habits. Like I watched a lot of TV. I stopped watching TV for a while so I could have the extra time that I needed. Uh, the negative eating habits, I stopped those so that I could lose the weight. But once I got rid of those negative things in my life, I just I felt free and I felt like I could move forward. You know, I just saw a stat uh, recently that showed, I think it was somewhere in the 70% range of, of folks who are struggling financially, watch four or more hours of television a day. And conversely, I think it was also around the 70% range, those who are financially well off watch no more than one hour of television a day. I believe it. <laughs> you don't have time when you're, when you're busy. Yeah, and I think it's not only that. It's not only a time factor, uh, but because I've changed my priorities, it's just not in the top 10 or 15 or 20 anymore. I, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to uh, come to, the, to, to my deathbed and go, gosh, I'm glad I got to see all the episodes of Seinfeld before, I, before I'm gone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, chapter four launches into issues uh, related to money. And so I have to ask, should someone who was nearly $200,000 in debt be doling out financial advice? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because I've made all the mistakes that you should avoid making. Mm. I think the strongest teacher is experience. Bad experience, the bad money management, um, all the things that led up to that. You know, I want to teach people those things so that they can avoid doing those things themselves. Well, step five is nailing down your plans. So, uh, Kamanzi, fill us in on what that entails and talk, if you would, about the importance of focusing on the why of what you're doing. Now, whatever big decision you're making in your life, big change that you're making in your life, you have to have some kind of a roadmap of where you're going, what you're doing. And uh, that, that means planning. Um, if it's moving somewhere, you're going to need to know the steps that it's going to take. If you're losing weight, you got to have a plan. If you're going to be better financially, it, it, you're going to have to have a plan for all the big changes that you want to make in your life. And so really that's sitting down and what does it practically take? And for me, that plan that it practically took to get from where I was to where I am now ended up becoming the book. <laughs> but <laughs> focusing on your why, your why is really like the gas in the car that's driving all of this thing. Mm. Um, you're doing this for a very specific reason. For me, I wanted to be healthy and be there for my kids. Uh, I wanted to move to Maui here so that uh, we can live the kind of lifestyle we want to live. I want to write and get a message out to the world and help those uh, people that were where I was. Those, these were some big whys for me. It wasn't the money. It wasn't uh, uh, anything else that, that the benefits that have come with this. But it was really, it was those whys that drove me. And when I was down and discouraged and I wanted to give up, I would remember, okay, why are you doing this? And that's what I would focus on. Well, I don't want to paint the picture with too broad a strokes. Uh, but in Kamanzi, we have a guy who was going to work at midnight, driving a bread truck, uh, not often seeing his, his wife and kids because of the, the screwy schedules, barely being able to make ends meet to writing books 
writing for major publications, and probably spending most of his days, I would assume, on a good day, reading and writing from the beach. Is that, a, is that about sum it up? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, that is exactly it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, so up until now, we've done mostly the prep kind of work. We talked about the prep stuff, and, and now we're at a place of, of taking action on all that prep. What are, what are some of the common obstacles you faced Kamanzi or have seen others face at this point in the process? Well, it's the doubt is always still going to be there in the back of your mind and the fear of the fear of failure, the fear of looking bad in front of other people, uh, the fear of your dream not working out. Um, those are huge and those are strong. You still could have um, negative people, negative influences that try to creep back in. But mostly it's just fighting those self-limiting beliefs at this point. Mm. You've done so much. You, you've taken steps and you can see a little bit of progress. But still those self-limiting beliefs just are telling you, man, maybe this isn't possible. Maybe this isn't mm. the right thing. And so it, it takes strength. It takes that group that you talked about, Jeff, that support system to really just help you work through those self-limiting beliefs. I hadn't seen this laid out the way you laid it out. I want to ask, why do you recommend that we not only have a plan B, but a plan C and D as well? Uh, Because life throws a lot at you. Um, It doesn't, it rarely works out the way that you think it does. So plan B, C and D and even E is really just um, when you have your plan and you have your backup plan, um, it's really just preparing for just having those contingencies in place. So um, maybe you are trying to move somewhere. And like, for example, when we moved out here to Hawaii, uh, one of the hardest things about moving out here is finding a place. And we thought we knew what area we want to move to. We had done a ton of research. And I came out here on a solo trip and that area was not what we thought. It was not the, the place that we wanted to live. And so we had a couple other contingencies called Plan B and C, and we ended up actually moving to Plan D. But guess what? It's it's we picked the perfect spot for us. We didn't know it at the time, but we just picked an amazing spot. Mm, excellent. Well, I've got some other questions not directly uh, related to the book that I want to ask. But before we do that, is there anything else from the book that we haven't covered that you want to make sure we know? It's a book that talks about a lot of things that people would consider. Um, the basics, I'm putting that in air quotes, but honestly, <laughs> the people that are successful in life have mastered the basics. They work on the basics all the time. Um, you, you can want to move on to advanced strategies, but if you can't master the basics, you're not going to achieve success in your life. So it's just a practical book, and I, I think you'll really enjoy it. Well, speaking of books, I ask every guest this name for us a couple of books that you've read or are currently reading. Uh, that have impacted you, and if you can, share why or how they've impacted you as they have. Uh, you, you've mentioned it a couple of times, but I'm actually reading The Miracle Morning. Um, oh, okay, by, uh, awesome. Yeah, and so I, I heard him on Smart Passive Income, mm-hmm. and so um, I picked up the book, and I've been reading that, and uh, I've been shocked. <laughs> um, it's really made a difference in the fact that the biggest thing that I think I took away is the fact we need to work on these things ahead of time. So a good morning doesn't start in the morning. It actually starts with the prep the night before. And one thing he had talked about, too, was even New Year's. Um, we're coming around to New Year's and how we spend our December and we're always on, we're always coasting. And then we come to the beginning of the year and we got to break all these bad habits. Mm. And so when I listened to that last month 
And then I started reading the book. It really helped me uh, prepare for December and really start this year hitting the ground running. And so that book is just, it's amazing. And I'm not even done yet. <laughs> but another book that I'm uh, finishing up is On Writing by uh, Stephen King, his memoir on writing. And so uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, you know, I'm a high school dropout. I did go ahead and go get my GED. But writing and grammar and all that stuff, this is what I do for a living, but it's stuff that sometimes makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm. So I read that book. It's amazing. I've learned so much about writing. And then Bird by Bird was the book that I read before, another great, amazing book on writing. And these books are just helping me become um, a better writer. So those are kind of um, some that I've been reading recently. And Bird by Bird, is that, that's Anne Lamont, isn't it? Correct. Okay, okay. I, yeah, I have not gotten to that one yet, but it's one I, I do want to read. Well, I know that all this writing has uh, opened the doors for uh, something else, I believe, that you never thought you'd be doing, and that's some pretty awesome speaking opportunities. And, and I personally believe that you know, the ability to effectively share your ideas in public plays a major role in your ability to be successful. And I've been curious to know, what are some of your tips uh, for delivering a meaningful and memorable public talk? Now, the first time that I spoke in 2012, um, it was terrible, Jeff. <laughs> like I got on the stage, and it was just it was horrible. And being the introvert, I didn't even want to do it. But I got up there, and it was bad. But people came up afterwards and said, even though the talk was not great, you had some good content. So that was encouraging. So my second talk was in New York. Um, I was mesmerized by Times Square, so maybe that kind of helped. But <laughs> right before I was going to talk, one of the speakers just said, "Hey, remember two things: go out there and have fun." Um, we're here in New York. You're speaking at a conference. Have fun. And then he said, too, remember that people are here to hear you. You're, you're the expert. So act like the expert. And um, those two things really helped me. So now when I talk, Jeff, I have fun with it. I even bring candy. <laughs> and so I ask a question and somebody answers it. I'll throw them some candy. And even though we're adults, we still love candy. Yes, we do. <laughs> and there's been a, a few times when I'm throwing it to the back of the room and I've pegged people with candy, not on purpose. But it blows up on Twitter, Jeff. Like people are tweeting about this, like he just hit somebody and it, it just creates excitement. But the, the whole fun thing is, is because when you're up there and if you are tense and you're nervous and you're tight, the audience can feel that. They can feel what you're putting out there. And they're going to be tense and nervous and tight. And it's just not going to be a, a good energy for anybody. But when you're fun, you're relaxed, you're loose, they can feel that. They can start feeding off of your energy. And they're going to be more likely to listen to you and, and to be engaged. And then you're, you're there speaking. You're the speaker. Just think about that for a second. You are the speaker. People are there to hear you. And honestly, it's a pretty humbling and incredible thought that people are here to listen to you. And so be proud of that and give them what they came there to hear. Well, with what all we've learned about you today, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you some tips that you would recommend for someone wanting to write for major publications or, or publish their first book. Now, definitely. The, the one thing that I've learned about writing um, all this time and writing a lot of words is you want to write very personal. I think a lot of times what we do with writing is we, we're writing something and we know that a lot of people could read this. We know that it could be a multitude of people. So when we write, we write for the multitude. Like, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's almost like we're writing a sermon. 
But the problem is, is that even though a lot of people are going to read this, the multitude is going to read this, they're going to read this as individuals. So when you write for the multitude and they're reading as individuals, it goes above their head. They can't connect with it. They, they don't get it. But when you write personal and you write as if that person that you are writing to is right there next to you, it's like you're talking to them. You write very conversational. Um, when you do it that way, that's the kind of writing that people are like, is this person talking directly to me? Like, are you serious right now? Um, hmm. Writing very conversational and very personal, that's what gets people to connect to your writing. And when it comes to writing for major publications, for example, the, the cool thing is, is that they have to put out so much content that they don't make it a lot of times like if you were to guest blog, for example, you write for other bloggers. There today, and especially the larger blogs, it's going to be more about relationships. Who do you know that can make an introduction? Who do you know that could kind of grease, grease the way for you? But at a large publication, they're objective. They don't know you from the next person uh, sitting next to you. So they only base their decision on the writing and on the content. And so when it comes to content that they like, the only way that you're going to know that is if you read their site. So if you want to write for the Huffington Post and you want to write for the business section, for example, you better be reading the business section. Mm. <laughs> you got to understand the kind of content that they're putting out there. And more than that, what kind of content is popular on there? Because the popular content is what their audience responds best to. And they are a business. They want to put out content that their audience is going to respond to. So study that. Study the headlines. Study the way it's structured. Study how long the article is. Study the, the style. And once you study that, you're going to get a feel for that. And you're going to write about something from your own life but in that style and in that perspective. And then when you send that to an editor at one of these large publications, because the editor makes the decision whether something lives or dies, when you send it to the editor, if you've done your homework and you've written something according to what they want and they're used to and their audience wants, it's going to be a no-brainer for an editor. An editor um, usually just scans an article, but if they scan it and they see this is, yes, this is for us, you're in. You're in. It's, it's no question. So... Pitch it directly to the editor at that publication. Every website has a list of editors. They make it very easy for you. Just email your pitch to them directly. But uh, do your research, put your heart into the writing, make it very conversational, and it will be a slam dunk. You're an editor now for the Goodman Project, correct? Correct. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that right there. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> seriously, Jeff, I edit the sports and business section at the Goodman Project. We are always looking for content. We put out 32 articles a day, so it is a lot of content. And I'll tell you, like sometimes we look at our editorial log and we're like, this is really light. And at that point, then we go and we go to the Huffington Post, Entrepreneur Magazine, and we're actually scouring for good content and asking authors there, hey, can we repost your stuff on the Goodman Project? So if you have something that you think would fit the Goodman Project, head to the site, Check it out. Check out the kind of content that we're putting out because it's a very specific kind of content that we're putting out. If you have something, just email, email me your thoughts or your article directly to kconstable29 at gmail.com. And I'll definitely take a look and we definitely love to run something from you. Oh, I appreciate uh, you sharing that. We'll link to all that in the show notes too uh, to make it easy for people to find. Uh, 50 or 100 years from now, Kamanzi, what do you hope ultimately to be remembered for? Uh, I want to be remembered as the person that showed uh, those people that felt they were stuck to show them that it's possible. Um, I want people to say, yeah, he, he really showed us it's possible in all the things that he did. 
Um, that's, that's really where I felt stuck and I felt like this was impossible. And then I read 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. Um, and that book really showed me it's possible. That's what started me on this journey. And I want somebody to read one of my books. I'm going to write 10 books, Jeff. Mm. So I'm going to write a lot of books. I want somebody to read one of my books and say, that book helped me see that it's possible. Well, with both this book and again, Hal's book last week, I th- like I said before, I think they really complement each other very, very well. And one of the, you know, the main focuses of each book is about this idea that your life is as it is because of the decisions that, that you make and have made. And that if you want it to be different than what it is right now, it's about being deliberate and intentional going forward with those decisions. And so Kamanzi is living proof of that. I highly encourage you to pick it up. So what is next on the horizon for you, Kamanzi, that you're working on now that you're excited about besides those nine other books uh, you just referenced? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to get an exclusive here, Jeff. Nobody knows about this. And I kind of, I've been teasing this. Jeff and I are connected on Facebook. So you notice I've been teasing people for two weeks about some big news, <laughs> a big secret. <laughs> I get people, Jeff, that are sending me private messages like, what's the secret? Um, and so I'll reveal it to you um, because I can finally reveal it. Uh, What's next is uh, Jared Easley and our our mutual friend, we co-wrote a book called Stop Chasing Influencers. We just signed a publishing deal for that book, Mm. and that book will be out later this year, probably sometime around December. But our buddy Jared is going to be a a first-time published author. This will be my second published book, and I'm excited for that book, Jeff. There's so much good stuff in that book. And I think so much that's going to help people. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, on that. We, uh, we wrote that, we turned it in. Um, I had a four book deal with my publisher. The X factor was kind of Jared and being a co-author and are they going to sign him to a deal? And they signed him to a deal. We had to get all the paperwork signed before I could make it public um, because deals can fall apart pretty quickly mm. in the publishing world. But we got all the things signed and it's going to come out. And oh, that's I'm excited for that later this year, Jeff. Well, we are too. And Kamanzi, thank you for, for being a part of the show. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Congratulations on all your success. And we look forward to keeping track of, of all the new and exciting things you're going to be doing going forward. Thanks so much for having me. I'm not just blowing smoke, Jeff. I'm a real big fan of this podcast, and I'm a real big fan of books. Certainly one of the most inspiring people I've ever had the chance to talk with. If you'd like to connect with Kamanzi, he's active on Twitter and Facebook as well. We'll put links to ways to connect with him, all the books that he shared, the other links that we talked about in the show notes page for today's episode, which can be found at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 069 for episode 69. Don't forget, you can nominate the Read to Lead podcast in as many as three categories leading up to the 10th Annual Podcast Awards. Nominations are open for a few more days. All you need to do is go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash awards. And remember, the podcast is eligible for People's Choice, Best Produced, and Best Business Podcast. Since you're nice enough to do that for us, if you wouldn't also mind taking another 30 seconds and making sure you're not only a member of our Facebook group at readtoleadpodcast.com slash group, but be sure and leave a rating and review. This helps get the podcast noticed. Readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. And as always, all these links can be found in the show notes for today's episode. 
Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. so far no one's gonna find me put my foot on the gas accelerate drive so fast no one's gonna catch me